Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here discussing season four, episode four, That Was No Lady, which aired on October 5th, 1973. A joke that is used in the show. That is. And it is not available on Paramount Plus. We uh, used our DVDs to watch this episode. And I will point out it is directed by Jerry Belson and Gary Marshall. The two biggies themselves. Do you, do you have any, I didn't know, do you know why or how, why that came to be? Uh, they occasionally liked to direct. Now, of course, Gary Marshall is the the, the uh, de facto ex- director of every episode in the sense that he is the showrunner. Show, yeah. And he had, you know, was clearly in charge of uh, getting them to air. Uh, but only occasionally did he take a director credit I think we just did one with him. Yes. Directing. Did, yeah, where they had all those flourishes. I think it was the Murray, the Murray came to dinner. Oh, I thought it was the one where, oh, no. Gloria moves it. Gloria, Gloria moves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think he, he and Belson uh, did this. Belson was, in a way, becoming less involved in the day to day script writing. But both of them were interested in uh, going into movies eventually. And so I think we, we see here as the seasons go on is that they're trying out there and getting their, their cred as future movie directors. I meant more like, why is it both of them directed? Oh, that I don't know. Okay. So before- yes. but I do have info about the writer. Yes. Well, why don't we come back to that right, oh, okay. right after we talk about our next our we have a lot topic. To clean. We have a lot to clean up from last week. Yeah. So last week we discussed in depth and asked for feedback about why the line that Oscar says, everybody loves pizza and beer gets such a loud round of applause. So we had several theories given to us by email and on Facebook. The, the one that had mul- multiple replies to us that we do not think is correct is that there was a song by a guy named Louis Prima and Keely Smith called Pizza and Beer, which was released in 1951 based on my research. You can find the song on YouTube. It's hard to understand. The reason I don't think that's the answer, I think it's a coincidence, is that the, the dialogue or the lyrics are, I love her because she buys me pizza and beer. I don't hear anything about everybody which right that line is not in the lyric no. of the song itself. and that's clearly the punch that's like that's what seems to be making the people laugh in the odd couple audience is that every body part right not not body part every body portion <laughs> now we're getting really really so deep. several people thought that at first i thought okay but then when i listened to it it's like i don't it doesn't feel right to me and how would this studio audience laugh that hard at some song from the 50s that I don't even believe this. I can't believe it was that popular in 1973. One other person said it was just the type of comedy for the time, which I can't deny, but that seems very random. Our old friend Lee, who has given us lots of information, especially about music, I think came up with the winning answer. There was a ad campaign that I may be only print, at least I can only find print records of it, in the West Coast at this time for milk that said, everybody needs milk. Every, was, so two separate words, yes. everybody needs milk. Right. And, you know, in our era, it was milk does a body good was like the, the big, remember that is the big. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that was before got milk. Got milk. That was before later. got milk. Right. I believe, I believe uh, milk does a body. I guess there's been a milk. number of iconic ads from the American Dairy Association. Yeah. So um, this was a West Coast-focused campaign, as far as I can tell. And what's particularly interesting about it is that in 1974, the Federal Trade Commission took the uh, people who were using this ad campaign, I guess it was, the, uh, it was the California Milk Producers Advisory Board. No. 
on the behalf of the California milk producer. No, yes, the California milk producer. Yeah, let's get this right, board, Ted. This is very important. Let's the get The California this right. milk producer advisory board were the people who behind this ad, and the FTC basically said that they cannot use that statement because it is not true that everybody <laughs> needs milk because there are people <laughs> lactose intolerant oh. and for people who really should not be drinking milk. And uh, they said it was a deception that the um, that that was true for everybody. And they, I guess they also said that milk was healthy for, could prevent colds and arthritis was also apparently said in the campaign. Um, so the, the news article I found in the, New York, in the New York Times said that the case would go before an FTC judge in September 23rd and that either side can appeal, um, but that the FTC really felt that uh, it can quote, uh, harm people with health problems such as certain allergies and symptomatic lactose intolerance. So uh, the commission did decide with only one of its five members dissenting that the ads are unfair, false, misleading, and deceptive. So I'm assuming that after that, the campaign went away and mm -hmm. maybe trans maybe that's where then became milk does a body good. Right. Although right. one could argue that's the same sort of thing. Anyway, that to me all makes sense yeah. as the most likely reason we've heard about why the yeah. audience laughed. I agree. Um, you know, I, I understand. I was very tempted to believe the Louis Prima thing. Now, I, I know who Louis Prima is, but I, I didn't know that song. And I was all set to go, oh, well, of course, because I was thrown off by the way Oscar says it almost sounds like he's doing an accent. I, in, in fact, my pet theory going into this, or what I've always assumed, was that it was some like... <laughs> <laughs> it was some like stock Italian accent, like, hey, everybody needs a pizza. Um, and that's what I thought Oscar's doing an accent like that, Klugman. And Prima has an accent like that. And so when I said, oh, well, then it must be. But then I listened to the song, I go, well, where's the line? This doesn't yeah. make sense. And it turns out I, Klugman's not doing an accent. He's just emphasizing everybody. And I think if you had that slogan in your head at the time in 1973, yeah, to, to make the punchline pizza needs pizza and beer is good. And it's about health. It's a health ad. The whole episode is about health. Oh, that's a really good point. I actually had thought yeah. about that makes a lot more sense. I wonder if, if indeed it is correct that that ad campaign was West Coast based, did people watching it in New York City not really get oh. the joke either? Well, that's, I mean, so your research indicates that it's a West Coast thing and not it is. an ad campaign. That's what my research says, because yeah. it was the California Milk Producers Advisory Board who was right. being sued right. by the FTC. Well, this is where it becomes very pertinent that the studio audience is yeah. basically a West Coast audience. Exactly. They're tourists. Right. Which maybe it's true. Maybe television audiences you know, on the East Coast were probably just as confused as we are. Yeah. All right. I think we put that to bed. Now yes. let's move on to this episode. You Good work. Mentioned the writers. I, I read Facebook. Thanks, Lee, for finding that. Um, are we talking about this episode now? Yes. Yeah. Current one. Who okay. are the Who are the writers? Well, interesting uh, that you asked, Ted, uh, because it is a new name, a new writer. We haven't had a new writer for a long time. Uh, the uh, The staff kind of is set for uh, for most of season three, and there weren't really many freelancers uh, and we've seen some writers kind of retire uh, who were in the regular pool, but this is a, this was written by a Lee Kalchheim uh, who uh, is his first and only odd couple credit. So he really was a kind of freelancer. Um, he's other credits from the era uh, include uh, a bunch of all in the families. Uh, so that's what he was doing at this time. And then actually uh, not incredibly active until the 80s where he did a lot of the paper chase mm. and uh, the 90s sitcom Something Wilder, a showcase vehicle for oh. Gene Wilder. Oh, which I, I would not remember. I love that. Gene Wilder. I was not aware he had a short lived sitcom. I do not remember that sitcom in the 90s. I don't know if it was a live audience sitcom or more of a, you know, probably. Well, there weren't a lot of single can sitcoms. Am I going to get 495? No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, and then his credits, so, uh, according to IMDb, he's still living, but um, uh, he's. Uh, 
He's uh, gone off the grid, it seems. So we open on an image of Oscar's office door. We're outside. Um, it's, it's closed. It says sports department on it, <clears throat> but it's frosted glass. So we can kind of see people inside of it. And we hear a man say, so I knocked his head off. And we hear Myrna, and then we go inside and we hear Myrna say, yeah. And this man is standing by the desk that Myrna's sitting at, but he's leaning down very near Myrna and says, and it started rolling on the 40 yard line that it went to the 45 yard line. Boy, were they scared, you know, but it wasn't his head, his head, it was his helmet. And during this, Myrna keeps saying, yeah, in a very nervous tone. And then they both start laughing, but Myrna's clearly scared. And now we see Oscar standing in the room. He's got a tape recorder on his shoulder. And there's a woman with short hair in the background. And Oscar says, Jake, listen, since we're going to call this chapter in the book, bones are made for breaking. We'll need more violent anecdotes like that. Jake says, oh, I got a million. Oscar says, let's pick up some of the funniest ones. Jake turns to the woman and says, hey, honey, how about that time in the Super Bowl game last year? Huh? And Oscar says, you never played in the Super Bowl. Jake says, well, I was in the stands and some guy made a pass at my wife. And then that woman, who we now understand is his wife, says, Jake, he didn't make a pass at me. And Jake says, well, he pinched you hard. So I pinched his face, you know, and he makes a pincher movement with his hand. And Oscar makes the same movement and says, you pinched his face. We see a quick shot of Myrna looking scared again. Oscar asks, what is the hardest you've ever tackled a guy? And Jake looks at Myrna, who says, yeah. And says, I tackled a guy so hard one time. And he leans back over into Myrna and says, his tattoos fell off. Myrna does her laugh. Oscar says he has to get another cartridge, which I assume means a tape. And that's, <laughs> a even, an old, that's even an old world. Where even when tape recorders were like still in vogue in our era, <laughs> we didn't say cartridge. Yeah. I said cassette. We didn't say cartridge. And Jake's wife then leaves. It's not a real, he doesn't have a real, no, real no. machine, I don't think. Jake's wife, we see, leave the office. She uh, asks him before she leaves, what time will he be home for dinner? And he says he won't be home. The big game is tonight, which, of course, we think is football. And she says, oh, again, this is the fourth night in a row I've had to eat alone. And Jake says, well, this is an important poker game. The quarterbacks are going to be there. Mm. She says, okay. But she asks him not to wake her up when he comes in by snapping her with a towel. And from there, we're going to pick up uh, our first clip. She likes it. I don't hit her hard. She seems unhappy. Something wrong? Oh, no. She's a classy girl, you know, but she just don't understand the camaraderie between ball players. Let's get back to the book. In your opinion, what is the single greatest advancement in football during the last 10 years? Deodorant. <laughs>
So that encounter happens because after Myrna gives Felix the tickets, Myrna walks into the ladies' room and Felix is talking about the opera through the door to Myrna. And then the wife, whose name we now, we will learn later is Melanie, comes out of the bathroom and that's when she encounters Jake's, Felix. Jake's wife. Jake's wife. Yeah. Um, we, did, we saw exit at some point to go to the bathroom. Oh, uh, yes. Right. We saw, I said, she's leaving to, oh, she was okay. leaving the office. Right. Um, at the end, we see Jake crushing a can through the frosted window, which is supposed to set up a tension that Felix is now dating. That he's yeah. lurking there, yes. Right. But Felix is now playing with fire because he's right. asking out a wife of somebody we already know is jealous and he's very strong. All right. Let's talk about our guest cast here. So Jake is played by Alex Karras, I think is the way you say it. Yes. Uh, he played football for the Detroit Lions for 12 years. Interesting, he was suspended for one year in 1963 for placing bets on games, huh. which, is, which is important. That, that, year's, that, that fact is important in, in a bit. And he became a professional wrestler for the year, was something he had done before he, he was football. After retirement, uh, he moved to acting, aided by the fact that his sense of humor became nationally known in George Plimpton's book, Paper Lion. The George Plimpton used to go to different sports teams and, 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 and ask if he could join the team's practice and training as if he, to see if an average person could become a professional sports player. So the Detroit Lions allowed him to practice with them in that season, 1963. So in the book, George Plimpton doesn't write stories that Alex Karras says. He's writing stories that he's heard other people tell him about what Alex Karras says. And I think the fact that he was kind of this off-screen character in the book that Plimpton, I don't know if we ever got to meet him, made him kind of like a, a figure, like a kind of a known, interesting person. So I think based on that, you know, he had national attention from playing football, but then this other side of him came out. So he went and started going to the night show. He was on Mary Tyler Moore. He was in Blazing Saddles as a Mongo. Right. Now that was his, I always thought of that was his big movie day. I don't know if it literally debut, but that I, was his. That was his big breakthrough. I think that's where yeah. it became. And that, that was after this. That was after this, right. Yes. Right. That was 74, I believe. Um, he was on MASH. He was in Porky's. He was also a Monday night football commentator for three years. He was also and, in Victor Victoria. Oh, he was? Oh, I didn't come up. One? I want to say one. Yeah. But most people know him, especially of our age, for being the dad on Webster for six <laughs> I did not know. You okay. didn't know Just, that? I guess this shows that A, either I'm not your age, or B... Well, we know I that's not never, true. I just never watched Webster. <laughs> yes. we. You are my age. Okay. Because I have proof we were in the same high school class. Yes, right. Well, you um, don't know. I was held back for many years. For but yes, he was... Have you heard of Webster? I have heard of Webster. Okay. So he and his, <laughs> I'm really shocked that you're finding this out on the podcast. <laughs> Live on the air. Especially because I send you the notes ahead of time, which proves you don't read them. Um, well, I like the spontaneity, you know. So uh, he starred on Webster with his real life wife, Susan Clark. That's another thing you may not know. Um, as Webster's adoptive parents, um, he married Susan Clark in 1980. And then, and he has, he passed away in 2012. So that sounds like that was his real legit role. That was his, his most well-known role. I mean, I, yeah. yes. I mean, he did a lot of guest parts and was, but yeah. Because that Blazing was, Saddles is like that one bit. With one the, scene. The right. Right. Yeah. But being, being on a sitcom for six seasons, yeah. the popular one was, yeah, that was a, that was his biggest I wonder what role, uh, how much of a part this is. A, uh, he's a, he, this is a big part in this yes. episode. Yeah. And this seems to have, I, I, you say that he did maybe the mash before this or. I think the mash was after. Oh, okay. I think I didn't remember. So this, down this seems that it could have really helped launch his act. I agree. No, I think it definitely did. I think this is one of the, this may be the mo the earliest meaty actual acting part. Right. Um, Melanie is played by an actress named Patricia Hardy, who seems to be more of a Broadway person, but she did have numerous attempts to create, to be the, on a hit sitcom. She was the star of a sh one season show called Occasional Wife, um, which I actually went to go watch the pilot for. It's, a, it's an odd show. It's, um, mm -hmm. 
a bachelor lives in a building and in order to in this era it's a weird shit's very dated the premise of the show is that in the 60s an up-and-coming business executive needs to have a wife in order to look right. like he is going to be on the fast track if you're a bachelor mm-hmm. you are perceived as not being um maybe mature enough to be an executive so mm-hmm. he has this upstairs neighbor played by this actress and occasionally she pretends to be his wife uh, mm-hmm. for certain purposes. Um, she Seems was, like a limited <laughs> concept for roles of I Yes. Uh, she also had the chance, and this is an interesting connection now, so she was also in a sitcom version of Blondie in 1968 as Blondie. It didn't last long, but playing her daughter in the show was Pamela Ferndon. No kidding. Who played Edna. Yes. Right. Uh, now, according to Wikipedia, Pamela and Ferdin said that Blondie was canceled so quickly that the cast was told about the cancellation during lunch while an episode was being filmed and they all went home. <laughs> uh, Pamela and Ferdin, conti- I'm not I'm sorry, Patricia Hardy continued to do some TV in the 70s. She was a star of a failed Bob Crane show, a Bob Crane sitcom called The Bob Crane Show. And there was a Herbie the Love Bug sitcom that she starred in also failed. So she had like four attempts to, to be the lead on a, on a, on a long running sitcom, but all of them failed. Okay, so that's our coverage of these two people. Um, after the credits, we see a montage of Felix and, Mil- Felix and Melanie, my God, Felix and Melanie uh, out on a date in New York. They go to the Russian Tea Room for lunch. They go shopping for records records wow. which are discs that played music we have cartridges? to tell people not cartridges we see them sitting by bethesda fountain in central park which is interesting because you can see graffiti on that fountain which is an iconic oh, I didn't, fountain. I didn't look yeah that. you there's you know that that's not there anymore it, it, it clearly makes 70s. it very, very 70s, 70s. yes yeah. <laughs> um hey then, can i something yes. i have a theory about these uh little uh, again more Exterior cutaways, yeah, more yeah. exteriors. Yeah. Uh, I think again, I think they again seems very likely they had these scripts ready to go in the summer, and they went and they just since Tony Randall, especially since Tony Randall lives in New York, they were just filming all these uh, throughout the summer in preparation. Uh, I have a theory that it's no coincidence that we can barely see Melanie's face in those. Well, you think it's not that actress? Well, let's just put it this. This way it doesn't have to be right i mean it's like why would they go through the trouble to fly uh that actress to new york for just a few of these well, how do you know she doesn't live in new york i don't know that but but the fact that i could that seemed her face was conveniently hidden by a hat or something uh tells me that it either she wasn't cast yet if they're doing it in advance or the, you know they couldn't get her to come but it's like it's this would be the cheapest way to do it is just like get a, a a model or an extra to just walk run around with Tony Randall. Interesting. I didn't notice that it was that it wasn't obviously her. So that that sounds like that could have absolutely been true. Um, then we see a POV shot of a car at night, which I guess is supposed to then be out on the town at night. So now we're back in the apartment, and there's a, another musical cut here. Mm. So we're going to play a clip of the episode as it is on the DVD. And it sounds like we're coming in the middle of the scene because we are. And then we'll play the clip of what is missed because of the musical clip. So this is after Felix's date with Melanie. I've got to tell you what happened to me tonight. No, no, I'll make you guess. You ran into Ginger Rogers. Close. I met a woman. Oscar, this is serious. Did you ever meet someone you knew was going to change your whole life? Yes, I met him at 250-pound linebacker who's going to make me rich. If you leave me alone, let me write this book. Yeah. I'll bow out gracefully, but I wanted you to be the first to know. I met a woman who loves everything I love. I hate her already. <laughs> you look tired. I didn't get to sleep till 5 o'clock. Shouldn't work so late. It's not good for you. It wasn't working. That's when you stopped singing. Oscar, have you ever seen me so happy? Yeah, when they added soap to Brillo pads. That was a biggie. But this, this is the real thing, sex. No, I'm not talking about lust. I'm talking about love. Never mind. Spill, spill. Let's talk. We went to the opera. 
supper. Now, do I know every French restaurant in New York, or do I? You do. No! She found a spot in the Bronx, sandwiched between two condemned buildings. The most wonderful oh, look place. Look at this. Like, oh, side. Leave it, leave it. Leave it, leave it. You mean you're not going to holler about the way I eat? No, no, I'm too happy to deal with mundane things today. Where did you meet such a wonderful, great girl? Outside your office, as a matter of fact. Oh, we had the most wonderful evening. We took a carriage ride through Central Park. And after the romance of Central Park, we rushed to the Hunky Tonks on 42nd Street. We went to a penny arcade. Everything's a quarter now. Well, well. <laughs> I won a prize for you. A plastic boat for the bathtub. <laughs> then we had our pictures made. One of those places where you crowd in four for a quarter, you know. <laughs> We made funny faces. It was so much fun. The, the bottom picture's nice. I wanted one nice picture of the two of us. Well, I gotta go. I'm meeting Melanie. We're spending the whole day together. What are you gonna do? Who knows? We don't make plans. We go. We do. We're a now couple. Don't do the dishes. Leave them for me. I love that scene. Um, among the visual gags which the audience laughs at, we see Oscar spilling twice, and Felix, that's when Felix is saying, leave it, leave it, to Oscar's surprise. Uh, we see Felix pour ketchup all over his food, which, by the way, he never yes, eats that right. food. He just oh, walks okay. out. Maybe, maybe, maybe he realized that he hates ketchup. You know? uh, or he just <laughs> was so in love that he yes, doesn't yes. plan to eat. I think that's the main goal, right? Uh, but it's weird that he serves himself dinner and then doesn't go. Uh, Breakfast. Oh, you're right. Breakfast. Uh, there's great physical humor where Felix is wants to sh- keeps intending to show yeah. Oscar pictures of Melanie and him from the photo keep, booth, yeah. But keeps pulling them away as he wants to like talk about. Right. Them so more. it keeps us all in suspense. Right. Yes. When is Oscar going to figure this out? Yeah. And then before he leaves, he puts them like away. So he puts them on the towards the right. couch area so Oscar can't yeah. see them. Um, I think, and I but think then that, Oscar does put two and two yes, together right. after. Yeah. The reason he gets applause here that, that when he leaves, Tony Rand, mm-hmm. he's just such a great job. This is why I really love this episode of showing someone who's head over heels after one day. Yeah. As some, you know, we all, I assume, have been through that moment in life when you meet a significant other and you just are, you know, cr- crazy about them. And you just feel that coming from Tony Randall. You just believe it. You don't believe this acting here. At least this is yeah. my opinion. You believe like, this character has met this perfect fit and you can see that it's a perfect fit and it's just so real. Um, and I You're think right. The, the, the applause it. is kind of seems random at first, but I think it's also just a testament to not only the mood he captures, but just Tony Randall's energy in the scene, which is nonstop. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the applause is almost like an involuntary reaction of the audience to like, it was like he didn't even breathe. It's mm-hmm. like he went on for like two minutes without a breath. And it was like a stunt that he was able to just do that scene so fast and then out the door with a great last line about the dishes um, that it just was almost like an, like an, acrobat, an, an acrobatic trick that he just plowed through that scene and, at and that energy. And didn't even feel like it was acting. You just felt yeah. that this is a person who's met right. a person and fallen in love with them a day. And so smart because this is the setup for the whole. I mean, you don't. The episode doesn't work emotionally if you don't immediately right. buy how invested he is in this uh, relationship already. And you know, I, I think there's a, it has a special there's a special place in this in this for me because as someone uh, who grew up in New York. And I have, a, I think I have a romantic attachment to New York, you know, watching Woody Allen's Manhattan or watching Sex in the City, people who adore the city, especially in this era when the city was really in the pits, <laughs> but, but filmmaking who can, who acknowledge that this, that being in love in New York has a special place more than any other city in America. I think maybe Paris is on the same playing field or London, maybe London, Paris for sure, that sort of um, 
energy which comes through here. I mean, it's it's really as much about Felix meeting this person as it's about him meeting her in New York. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, the, the montage plays a big role. And in that. That, the montage, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so, personally, for me, I have a connection to that, <laughs> and um, and I and I and I think the audience. Well, the audience doesn't, I guess, because they're in LA. But I, I but I think the the episode connects so well on that. Uh, and and that it achieves that even uh, uh, without the musical introduction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's play that, and then I'll say one more thing. So here is right. the first twenty seconds of that scene that's cut from the DVD. This is Felix coming home that night. What? Sorry. This is Felix coming home. Just to remind the audience, uh, listeners that this is Felix coming home that night, the night before the breakfast. Yes. This, right. In his tuxedo. And all. Yeah. And so they're applauding again because of, of, of his energy and his dancing, and it does set up that scene very well. And it sets up the Ginger Rogers yes. reference. Yes, yeah, exactly. This is Cheek yeah. to Cheek, the famous yeah. Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers number by Irving Berlin, who I guess it means it's not public domain. So there you go. On a completely unrelated note, soap was added to Brillo in the 1930s. <laughs> I looked that up. And I guess Oscar knows Felix was happy even then. And um, I wasn't quite sure I knew what honky tonk meant. He said they went to all the honky tonks, which mm -hmm. I don't associate with New York. And the definition of a honky tonk is a cheap or disreputable bar, club, or dance hall, typically where country music is played. And I think that's why I don't think about that in New York. Maybe in the 70s. I it was yeah, I don't think. Right. Well, is that the Penny Arcade thing? Or that comes yeah, later? That's, no, well, that's the same sentence. Right. Yeah. They yeah, went to all the honky tonks. Like yeah, it's more like it's an all-purpose phrase for like dives. Yeah, and, dive. Yeah, but but also like the Penny Arcade, they, like a kind of like a, a tourist trap place, you know, where you play. You have a photo booth, like a fairgrounds, or a... anyway. Yeah, I think you've captured it. So the next, now we see another exterior shot. But don't we see Melanie here in this next shot where Felix is literally leaping? like a cross Columbus circle with Melanie in his holding Melanie's hand. I challenge you and the listeners to watch it again. And so you, this scene, you also looked at and believe it's, it could be anybody. Yeah. I okay. just, I well, they look to me like, like all the others. Okay. So anyway, that happens. There's a serious shot, Melanie and Felix, Felix is literally leaping. Uh, now we're back in the Oscars office. He's interviewing Jake and asks him when he knew to red dog which I had never heard of before. This is a football strategy of, quote, sending a player on a full-out defensive rush no known in the modern era as a blitz. Did not know that. I did not know that. Jake is distracted, doesn't answer Oscar's question. Oscar says, they were doing so great yesterday. What's the matter? Jake says it's Melanie, and that leads to this clip. Sorry, Oscar. It's, it's Melanie. Wrong. What could be wrong? I don't know. She's just been acting weird lately, you know? She's been dancing around the house like Ginger Rogers. Ah, I'm going home now. Well, you must be imagining things. There's only two things that could be mad. Some little midget field goal kicker trying to take a cheap shot at me. Or someone fooling around with my wife. Tax write-off. I'll give him a buzz. 
Another great scene. Um, My observations are, first of all, it's very rude for Jake to cause damage to someone else's office. Which he is doing, we should point out. He keeps hitting the walls. And I kind of, I like uh, that it started at the very beginning of the the very opening of the episode was this running gag of that he frightens Myrna. (laughs) He doesn't just hit the walls. He's like, he knocks over Oscar's building board. Oh, right, right. Yes. I don't think you do that in someone else's bulletin board. And that's and that's why Myrna has to run run out of the office. Yes. Now, Felix uses another term I never heard before. I'd like to use your good offices. Had you oh. heard that term? Yeah, it's very old fashioned. Very it old is. Fashioned. Uh, I, according to what I, the definition I found is, someone's good offices are the help that they give to another to other people who are trying to achieve something. Yeah, it is not literally office in the sense we mean it. It's like uh, like efforts or something. I had not heard. Or that their term. position or their yeah. Um, I think it's odd that Felix knows who Jake is because he it doesn't really care about football. Not but just you know he what? knows him. He knows. But you know what's name. funny is that he oh, he also knew uh, Bubba Smith. I think he knew. Uh, like he, no. he seems whenever Oscar introduces an athlete, he often does seem to know. I, no, the Bubba no. Smith, Deacon Jones. He, he did he not knew, know Deacon Jones. We knew. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. He only because the ad agency told him the Bubba Smith character was that was he playing Bubba Smith? He, I can't Bubba remember. S- well, how long? How long? This was not long ago. Tim. But was he? No, I remember him in it, but I can't remember. Did they say his name was Bubba Smith? Yes. Okay. I don't think he knew Bubba Smith. In okay. The maybe not. Oh. Maybe not. I get the impression it's happened before. That surprisingly, Felix knows some of the sports people and his number and his number. Well, that I don't. I, can you tell me what was what's with the old lady thing? What do you mean? <gasps> oh. We should have compared notes on this. Uh, what is he saying? What is Felix when he when he says, "Hey, I know you're Jake Metcalf," and he starts point like putting the number on his. He he. Like, what do you the line where he says that's his yeah. jersey number? What do you yeah. my old lady? You isn't, said old lady. Isn't that what he says, Felix? Okay. <laughs> no, he says old eighty eight. Old eighty eight. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's his jersey. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but why is he saying old 88 like that i think that's that's supposed to be his nickname i guess i think it's like yeah i think that's just kind of a phrase of like familiarity old it's just like Like kind of like mantle was number seven something like i I don't even know that yeah that's what that is drew pearson wore 88 in 1973 with the dallas cowboys i looked up yeah it's old 88 is what i heard yeah i wasn't watching with the subtitles so i don't know that i was really okay all right uh, so the other thing I liked is the way Oscar stops saying Felix from the Oscar, the way Oscar stops Felix from saying Melanie's name. Yes. Um, <laughs> no other names. Yeah. Yeah. But what I do like is other sitcoms, I think would, would have Oscar try to hide from Felix that this is his wife, that this is Jake's wife. Right. But he just tells them, he just comes and said, takes yeah. him outside and said, tells them so that there's no antics surrounding right. like, you know, people not knowing things that they're supposed to you know. I Lucy would do that a lot yeah, where yeah. Ricky wouldn't tell Lucy something and yeah. or vice versa. And that would cause all sorts of mayhem or right. three's company, of course, all the time. Right. 
but here he just tells them and i kind of like that's, that's a really good point Ted, because you know it just shows like how they're using the 22 minutes here yeah right like if they did that that would kind of have to be the rest of the episode right because <laughs> exactly. they're already we're already like almost halfway into yeah. this and this helps just get just get on with it we're just gonna get on exactly that's to right. the ultimate resolute the climax yeah. and resolution of this uh do you have anything else? Because no. I have one more thing. About yes, it. please. I was intrigued by uh, this fictional musical. Uh, as a lettuce. I, anytime they have a fictional Broadway yeah. show, I'm intrigued. Uh, and I seemed, I vaguely remembered it, but I didn't know. I was wondering why Felix says it's a Chicana musical. <laughs> and I go, and there's a joke, and people think that's funny that it's uh, not only a musical named Lettuce, but it has something to do with Mexicans. And just while we've been talking, I just suddenly clicked with me. Is this a Cesar Chavez uh, ref, 70s oh, reference? Okay. And because and, I know that was about the vegetable pickers right. about the, you know, in California, Calvary, another California joke reference. And uh, sure enough, I just looked it up and lettuce was one of the main boycotts of the uh, United Farm Workers under Cesar Chavez. So it's not only... A funny title for a musical but apparently a musical about the united farm workers strike which kind of also tells me it's a part of the joke is that it's a very serious political musical that people high culture people like felix and melanie would be into seeing but that you know uh it's just kind of a it's not the typical broadway show and how does it work as a tax write-off how does investing in a musical lead to a tax write-off oh that's uh you know, it's funny. I've heard that raised before. Is uh, it may have been different in the old days. I think that is currently not the case. I've seen heard people advocate on Broadway to allow it to be more deductible to encourage more investment. But maybe it was true then. I don't know. Okay. So now we have another exterior shot of Felix moping because he's found out about Melanie being married. He's in Central Park by the lake moping. Then we go back to Oscar's office. He's now listening to a re the recording he's made of the interviews that Myrna's transcribing. We hear Myrna laugh on the tape, and Oscar says, when you type it up for the book, leave out the hang, hang, hang. Myrna says, okay, I'll leave a space so the readers could fill in their own. I hate violence. Oh, and then Oscar says, oh, yeah, about, about he's saying that about Jake. Oscar says, oh, he's a pussycat. Myrna says he's a big pussycat, and then she hisses. There's a knock at the door. Melanie comes in. She says she hopes she's not interrupting anything, but she wants to talk to Oscar. Oscar asks Myrna to go to lunch. She says it's 10 o'clock, too early. Oscar says, that's good. Everything will be fresh. He gives her some money. She says, oh, good, I can eat on the subway. And he takes out some more money and says, here, go ahead, Liz. And now we'll play another clip. Sarah, Sarah. Thank you. Pretty soon. Oh, thank you. You want a cup of coffee ready? No, thank you. You couldn't. Anything I can do for you at all? No. Just talk. Sorry. It's all right. How's the book? Oh, the book is great. You know, it goes high and low. Let's talk about Felix. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Oscar, I had no idea that Felix was your roommate until Jake told me about the lettuce tickets. Can I be straight with you? Please. What I want to know is why you didn't tell Felix you were married in the first place. I tried. I couldn't. Why not? I guess I didn't really want to. Oh, Oscar, I really like the guy. I've never done anything like this before in my life. I don't know. When I was with Felix, I forgot everything else. How can you forget you're married to Jake Metcalf? Oh, well, that's the problem. You see, that's the reason that I fell for Felix. Ever since that I've been married to Jake, I've always been known as Jake's wife. And then when I was out with Felix, suddenly I was just plain Melody, and I loved it. Yeah, but you can't go around falling in love with everybody who calls you by your first name. Oh, but Felix isn't everybody. Felix is incredible. I mean, he's charming and sincere, and he makes me laugh. He does? <laughs> but I don't have to tell you about him. I mean, you live with him. I live with a different Felix. as of a half hour ago is to break it off. The marriage? Oh, no, I realize now I want to save my marriage. I'm going to have to break it off with Felix. But how? 
I mean, yesterday we went to the UN building, and this morning Felix sent me a dove with an olive branch taped to its beak. <laughs> now, how can you ditch somebody who's just sent you a dove? It is rough. Look, I'll do it for you. You will? Oh, sure. I know how to handle We've been friends for so many years. Don't worry. I'll be very tactful. See, I'll say, here's your bird. I hope it pecks your heart out, and I'll get all the melodies like I'm going. No, no, Oscar. You don't think that's strong enough? No, thank you, but I, I, I couldn't ask you to do that. No, this is my responsibility, and, and, I, and I'll handle it. We're meeting for lunch at your house today. Do you suppose you could be there for moral support? Yeah, I will be. Honest, I'll be there. Don't worry about it. Oh, Oscar, thank you. Okay, thank you. Boy, life, cool. Were you listening? No. <laughs> so at the beginning of the scene, uh, we hear Os uh, Oscar making some noises because Myrna won't actually leave. She keeps wanting to see what's going on here. Um, giving a dove to someone is really weird, especially Felix. <laughs> Where yeah. do you, that's like a big commitment. What happened yeah. to the bird after this? Wouldn't yeah. Jake notice the hard bird? to hide that? Yeah, exactly. That, Jake right. should notice that because think... he he did he well to maybe maybe he did that before he knew what Oscar told him. I, this is one of the few moments in the episode where I'm really taken out of the show because it's such a yeah. silly thing that Felix would not. I don't believe Felix would do. I just it's a, it stretches the credibility of the episode, which up till now I feel like makes is part of its. But it's, I think it's worth it just for the line of here's your bird and I hope it pecks your heart out. Um, I, I can do it. I, I could, I would be okay if that okay. one was sacrificed. Okay. Um, so, but otherwise it's very good conversation. Like, again, it's like dealing with this stuff realistically. It's not trying to do some goofy sitcom. Right. Like, and it's just, around it. and uh, Klugman is so good at these kind of sincere dramatic scenes. Kind of reminds me of the, uh, Naked lady, what does what does a naked lady say to you back in season one when Oscar discovers that Felix's girlfriend is the is not a librarian and has to kind of intervene to you know, work out how to uh, break the news to Felix? I don't discuss season one. <laughs> Them's fighting words for some people. So now we have a new clip and we we hear and I didn't realize this was a theme a, a song we've heard before in another episode that's being sung. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Do you want me to tell you? Before? Yes, I do. Okay. Now I remember. Okay, all right. And this surprisingly, is... a song that is not cut. No, there must it must be a public domain thing, right? Um, this is a four and a half minute clip. Buckle down, Wimsocky, buckle down. You can win, Wimsocky, if you buckle down. If you break their necks, if you gave... What are you doing here? I live here, remember? Melanie's coming over here. Hey, that's good for daddy's off. Mm. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I heard you. Well, you don't seem very surprised. Oh, but I am. I am. Let's try it again. Melanie's coming over. Wow! Oscar, I've spent the whole morning walking, thinking, singing. I finally come to a decision. What? I've got to tell Melanie we're through. La commedia è finita. Pagliacci. That's all, folks. Quirky pig. Isn't this what you wanted me to do? Oh, now you asked me to butt out, and I butt out. Look at me, I'm butting out. It's Melanie. Yeah. Good luck. Listen, if you need me, I'll be in my bedroom in between two condemned sheets. Come in, Melanie. Melanie. I love your name. Melanie. I hate the name Olga. Melanie's a beautiful name. Edna's a nice name. I like Tom, but never mind. Sit down. Sit down. Melanie, I I know something that you don't know, I know. You're married. I know. You know. Well, yes. Well, of course, you know you're the one who's married. 
I'm the one who didn't know. I know. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? Felix, I wanted to, and I'm sorry. I, I just haven't been able to sleep at night. Melanie, just... no, I understand. I know what you've been going through. I'm a great date. <laughs> you became involved. Felix. No, no, listen to me, sweetheart. Since my divorce, I've had four or five, what would you call them, liaisons. Maybe you'd call them affairs. Two liaisons, three affairs. Three liaisons, two affairs. Actually, it's more like, no, no, three liaisons and two affairs. Brief fling with the dental hygienist. That was half business anyway. That was but nothing serious, nothing that I would call a relationship. And that's why I feel we've got to be very mature about this. I agree with you, Felix. Now, we can't be swayed by sentimentality. Sure, we've got wonderful memories. The opera, the French restaurant, the carriage ride through Central Park. Uh, am I leaving anything out? No, Felix, I think you pretty well covered it. And we cherish those memories, and we must. But you're married, and so they must remain just memories. And that's why I feel we've got to be very cold about this, very realistic. I know, Felix, and that's what I came over to tell you. I've decided not to see you anymore. Why not? <laughs> well, uh, for the reasons you just said. Stupid reasons. We've got, we've got wonderful memories. We've got the opera. We, we've got the carriage oh, ride through yes, the park. Oh, yes, Felix, and they were fun. The penny arcade. That's the one I left out. Is that why you don't want to see me in New York because I left it out? No. Because if it is, I'll put it back in. Oh, no, no. Didn't you get the dove I sent you? Oh, yes, Felix, I did. <laughs> But we've got to stop seeing each other completely. Why? Why? Why can you say a thing like that? We belong together. We're a team. I know these things. I'm a photographer. I know. Felix, I never said that I loved well, you. You don't have to say it. You're saying it now with your eyes. Don't you think I know what's going on right now? You love me so much, you're trying to protect me from your husband. But I'm not afraid anymore. I may have been before, but love has given me the strength of a Samson. Felix, where are you going? I'm going to tell old lady eight the truth, and the truth shall set ye free. Oh, no, no. If I'm not back in 30 minutes, eat the spaghetti, because it'll only go to waste anyway. Felix! Uh, Oscar? Uh, I think that's another great scene. Um, it proves that Miriam means absolutely nothing no. to Felix. <laughs> It's funny, like uh, I had forgot, I had forgotten about her too until he starts going on about his liaisons and affairs. It's like, well, where is Miriam in, in that? Uh, she's not the dental hygienist, so. Uh, and he's uh, had no meaningful relationship yeah. until now. And, and I, and you know, it's not like they just cut her from the show all of a sudden. Like she was in two episodes ago. Yeah, in the yeah. ballet episode. And she comes back again, at least in the in the odd <laughs> in the in the, you know, civilian police episode. So, it just, I mean, you know, to be real for a second, I mean, obviously she's a fictional character, so it just shows like she's used only when there's a convenience to having another friend who can be Felix's companion. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's a sham relationship. <laughs> Does Miriam know that? I don't think so. No. I wonder if Eleanor Donahue knew that. Um, the liaison affair discussion is great. It's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Total Felix, right, to use the um, word liaison. Now, the last time we heard Buckle Down with Saki was when they both were enamored with a woman. Right. A woman who looks like Patricia Hardy. Yes, Marilyn that's the Mason, soon haircut. That, it, it's just, I, I can't tell if this is a coincidence or maybe someone gary marshall or someone has a type or i guess or so. that's what it, or it was very fashionable that was what a fashionable haircut uh, but it's not just a haircut hairstyle was it's not it's the face it's the yeah. physique it's the coloring it's like more than just the haircut um so i mean it's 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 a surprisingly a lot of consistencies where there felix is in love so things buckle down with Saki, which i don't understand which, why you would do that not only was mentioned in that episode, but remember it, it's its importance is that it's Oscar's favorite song, right? According yes. to Felix, Felix, right? Or like the one, I think he says Oscar has two record albums. One is Buckle Down with Sophie, and the other isn't, or the other is, oh yeah, that okay. It was a boxing joke or something like famous hits sung by 
So now it's Felix's, you know, I'm in love song somehow. Or I'm feel good song. It's like a song he sings. They both seem to sing when they're in, they're happy with the relationship. It's weird. Right. And also, I remember because it's in the Odd Monks where Felix leads yes, a right. writes a new word, new lyrics to it yeah. for the monks to sing to Oscar. Right. So clearly, Felix likes it too. Yeah. All right. So now we have a new scene. It's the exterior of Yankee Stadium. I guess people play football there. They used to. They really did. I think the Giants. That used to be where they played. Um, you heard old 88, by the way. So now I we finally heard it, okay. but I hope, hope you understand why to my ears, it sounded something like old lady. Um, no, you, you, that could not be confused. I mean, I, I in, agree, the, in the context, sense. in the context of talking to a football player, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. To me. Okay. Sorry. I know you want me to not embarrass you in front of our listeners, but uh. so we see Jake and fellow players warming up by hitting each other on the shoulder pads. There's a small man that comes in to tell everyone yes. to go out into the field. This is our old friend, Johnny Silver. Johnny Silver, legend. In, in his fourth Odd Couple episode, we last saw him as the chaplain in Good Boy, Bad Boy, where he had far more to do than this scene, where all he does is say, Jake, Jake, Jake. Right. Uh, and I guess that's why he's uncredited, surprisingly. Uh, oh, was that? They I didn't, didn't even, they didn't even bother to list him in the end credits. Oh, right. Because it's, I think it says I am to be uncredited. Yeah. Even though he is a legend. And I just want to mention again that he was in the original Guys and Dolls. As the players march out, Felix is coming in and they have to navigate around him. Uh, Jake is the last one in the locker room and he hits the locker numerous times, I think, to get himself psyched. I don't know how Felix just walks into the players' locker room of a (laughs) football team. Even yeah, in the in, 70s. I guess in this show, like in many other sitcoms and television shows, like surprisingly easy to get access to these places. And they discuss what's happening. Well, discuss is a, maybe not the right term, but let's listen to this interaction. Mr. Metcalf? Felix. Oh, yeah, the play. Well, don't worry about it. I'll get the tickets for you and your lady. That was no lady. That was your wife. What? Oh, <laughs> Mr. Metcalf? This is very difficult to say. Your wife and I are, are very much... Very much what? We're an item. An item? Yes. Oh, what are you trying to say? You've been going out with my wife? That's very aptly put, actually, yes. Come on, chick! Yeah, yeah. Feel. What are you, some kind of a weirdo? I rather think not. I'm going to hit you in the head. Violence won't solve anything, will it? I don't want to solve anything. I'm going to hit you in the head. <laughs> Get in the locker. And don't come out till after the game. I just thought I'd come down with you a little luck. Yeah? What's your part in this whole thing? What whole thing is that? Yeah, well, my wife and that twerpy friend of yours. What wife? What twerpy friend? I don't know what you mean. Green pie here. Oscar, what are you doing here? I can fight my own battle. Yeah, Mr. Cam Winner. You galoot. I tried to be honest with you and you're brutal. I Seriously, did. you're busy. I'm Doing. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to beat two guys up this ruin in my life. Oh, That's sure, what I'm... Jake, you cut a problem, solve it in the usual way. Hit, smash, squeeze the face. But the problem is you and me, Jake. That's absolutely right. Don't stop, troublemaker. Ooh. You didn't love it. Twerp be here? I, I could be. I mean, he's sweet and, and he's kind and, and he's there when I need him, Jake, the way you used to be. Well, I'm sweet. Oh, you know that, Yeah, we'll have dinner and talk. Jake, helmet. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. 
This is going to be the best chapter. It's a love triangle. The movies is going to buy this. You see, but the player and the girl, they walk away happy. They leave the guy broken. I'm sorry, Felix. Must have been a rough night, huh? Hey, how's your face? It's my heart that's broken. Having to watch my girl reconcile with her husband while he was pinching my face between thumb and forefinger. Oh, it's not humiliating. I mean, Melanie's a very special kind of girl. Hey, Felix, she was ready almost to, to give up a marriage because of you. I mean, she and Jake have been together a long time. I think it's a compliment. I think it means you're some kind of special guy. I am. You give me a great chapter, I'll give you a great dinner. I know an Italian restaurant sandwiched between two booking joints. Okay? You I can have a great dinner. So at the end, he writes so long, Melanie, on the chalkboard. <clears throat> I thought that was a well-handled scene. I think Alex Karras shows he's a good actor. Yeah, he, he really is very good in this episode. It, it should be said. Yeah. Um, at the tag, Felix and Oscar come home from, I guess, from this. Uh, they don't turn the lights on as they enter the room, which is interesting. Uh, Felix sighs and says, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Felix says, I know. Oscar says, I know, I know, I know. Felix says, of all the words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these it might have been, which is a, is a poem. quote from a 19, 1856 poem called Maud Muller by John Greenleaf Whittier. I think he's quoted that before. That Really? Uh, it might have been. I thought it sounds familiar. It sounds I like do, one of his other. Yeah, now that you mentioned that. I'll have like, to check on that. Yeah, I, I think like, before he said it was some. I thought I thought it was Robert Burns because it sounded like he said it with a Scottish accent the first time. But you know what? That, oh, yeah, that was something else. That was no, that's a different. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. This one was easy to find. That one. Withdrawn. I mean, yep. Withdrawn. So they're now in the kitchen. Felix says, Melanie and I, two ships that passed in the night. Oscar says, three ships if you count Jake. Now Oscar's drinking a beer. Felix says, lovely moment, brief encounter. Cold, gone like my spaghetti sauce. Oscar tastes the spaghetti sauce and says, mmm, it's still good. And he picks up the spoon, but all the sauce is congealed around the spoon. And so the spoon comes out of the pot with all the spaghetti sauce stuck on it, which is not a great. It's a little <laughs> bit anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah a cheap uh, food sight gag. It's not worthy of the episode. No, I think. no. And that's where the episode ends. So I really like this episode. I, it's really believable. It reminds me of the Oscar Princess episode because it really mm, tells a yeah. story over right. 20, it's more than 22 minutes, I think, okay, sorry, back yeah. then, but less than 30 minutes yeah. of a potential relationship that doesn't work. Personally, I want Felix to end up with Melanie, not with Jake. I don't understand what. Yeah, he sees that's, Jake. That's never really convincing. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it's 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 both funny and emotional, um, and I think very underrated. I don't think this gets. I'll be interesting to see what people on Facebook say or or any feedback. I don't know that people. I, I don't ever get a sense people really care about this episode or talk about it much. Am I? I don't know how I'm getting that sense, but just looking at Facebook pages and stuff and. People mm. quoting things. I don't really see this come doesn't up. Doesn't have many of the memorable lines, right? It's not like one of the sources of the big gags or you know favorites of the fans. Yeah, uh, I I give it four and a half Murrays, and the reason I don't give it five is it, it isn't. It's more dramatic. It's more of an emotional story than a funny story. Um, I don't like the fact it's also sad in a way. Mm -hmm. You know what? Oscar didn't get princess it was like unrealistic that he would well, ever date thinking, right, right. <laughs> here i think if this woman hadn't yeah. been married to jake this really yeah. could have been felix's soulmate right um so the sadness kind of and then the tag those three things prevent me from giving it a five but yeah. um i i i forget how much i like it until i see it and I just how much of a journey i feel like i'm going on i just my heart breaks that he doesn't, he's not able to pursue this. Uh, well, I totally agree when you said this is underrated because it was underrated by me. 
uh, I, uh, <laughs> you know, going into this, uh, kind of, you know, I thought, right, I just remembered it being like a dramatic and serious one, and um, but was really uh, swept up in it, like you were, and I agree, like, this is like Felix is probably most, uh, from the audience's point of view, his most satisfying relationship, uh, more than with Gloria, he doesn't seem to, you know, he's much more in common with uh, Melanie than with Gloria. And Miriam. And <laughs> let alone Miriam. His platonic so, friend. Yes. So um, beard, we could say, but um, it, uh, so their chemistry and their relationship, it's like, and, and I think we were, I was saying a while ago, like season three was the season of Oscar's uh, quest for a date. And interesting. Now we're getting, they are forgetting about Miriam so that Felix can have now more possibilities and meet more women. And this is the first time in a long time that they've done that for Felix successfully. Um it's really well written by Mr. Lee Kalchheim. Uh, we should say his name again because this is the only episode he wrote. Um, it is a really well written uh, script and it has this perfect arc. You know, we, as we sing, it packs so much into that 20 something minutes. Um, that last scene is, is one of those great, bittersweet, odd couple uh, uh, climax scenes where Oscar kind of you know is there for felix while straightening him out about something or being the, the voice of reason in the end um so it just works for me on on all those levels and uh, you know what damn the tag i'd give it a five okay how about that uh well let's hear what you know it, what the viewers have to say or listener our listeners the show's viewers if you have any feedback you can email, email us at 1049 pod at gmail.com and i'm glad we don't have another uh, line to try to understand why it's funny in this episode pretty straightforward no yeah we have not put out there a mystery but if yeah if someone else has discovered one then we'll see uh so remember garrett strength makes them stronger game time ted